Welcome to Quick Brain, bite-sized brain hacks for busy people who want to learn faster and achieve more. I'm your coach, Jim Quick. Free your mind. Let's imagine if we could access 100% of our brain's capacity. I wasn't high, wasn't wired, just clear. I knew what I needed to do and how to do it. I know Kung Fu. Show me. Welcome back, Quick Brain. So how do you have a shredded mind? You know, you look at somebody's body and you're like, that person is shredded. Look at those six-pack abs. Look at those biceps, they have guns. Mm -hmm. But you know, your brain, you don't see that. And so to answer that question, we have the expert, Dr. Stephanie Estima. Thank you so much for being here. Oh, thank you so much. And just a side note here, we happen to be speaking at an event, yes. Archangel yeah. Summit. And so this is happening really live yeah. and in real time. <laughs> I love geeking out with you, nerding out over neuroscience and yeah. performance. And you meet with patients all the time having these kind of questions. Right. And you meet with people all across the spectrum of performance. But for people who are at home listening, how would you define a shredded mind? So shredded mind, just like you said, Jim, when you're looking at a body and you're like, wow, that person is strong, they have power, they have strength, they have speed, they have agility. Those things are also really important concepts in the brain, right? right. So I talk about a shredded mind and I talk about how if you want to have a shredded body, it actually starts with your brain and it starts with neuroscience. It starts with the cognitive health that you need to achieve in order to have a shredded body. So we talk about the four Fs, fuel, is kind of the foundation, if you will, for creating a shredded mind. So things that you're eating that are going to be helping strengthen the brain, giving the brain the energy that it needs. What are some of those things for people listening at home? What gives the brain fuel? Because so many people struggle with brain fog and they're lethargic and they get mentally tired. And I love this idea comparing it to like a physical body because obviously the brain is part of the body, right. but you want flexibility and you want vitality, you want yes. endurance. Yeah, and you want metabolic flexibility as well. So oh, one of the best ways that I have found in terms of increasing brain health and getting a shredded brain is really to follow a higher fat diet. You know, there's some debate in the literature in terms of how much fat, but at least lowering your processed carbohydrates and allowing your body the ability to produce something called a ketone body. So a ketone body is something that your body creates itself from your own fat cells. When you are eating a higher fat diet and you lower your processed carbohydrates, you will take the fat cell and your body will break it up. And the end result through something called beta oxidation is a ketone body. So it's something that's naturally produced in your body. And when we think about a brain, when you have ketone bodies circulating, one of the really cool things about them is that they can cross something called the blood-brain barrier. So the BBB or the blood-brain barrier is basically like a dividing wall between the brain and the body. And it's there because, you know, for evolutionary purposes to kind of keep invading bacteria and viruses and organisms away from the brain. So it's a strategy for longevity and survival, but a ketone body can cross that. So when you have ketone bodies in the brain, first thing is that it is more efficient in terms of an energy source than glucose is. So your brain uses glucose, but in terms of utilization rate, it's more energetically efficient than glucose is. And it also increases something called BDNF. So if your listeners have never heard of that before, it's kind of like alphabet soup, right? Like BBB, BDNF. So BDNF stands for brain-derived neurotrophic factor. And what that 
enzyme and that gene is really involved in is protecting the brain cells that you already have and also stimulating the growth of new ones, right? So when we think about our biceps, when we go to the gym, you know, we're like working the biceps. So you're creating new muscle fiber, like you break down the tissue and then you create new. The same is true for BDNF in the brain. It will preserve the tissue that you already have, the cortical mass that you already have, but it will also stimulate the production of new neuronal cells, which when we're thinking about somebody strong over the long term, this is really important. So ketones, a ketogenic style diet, and the really big hallmark of a ketogenic style diet is reducing the processed carbohydrates that are there. That would be like my number one recommendation for fuel. And there can be like many, you know, permutations from that. Sort of the next level up after you have fuel would be your frameworks. You and I have geeked out a lot about like, you know, morning routines and evening routines, but setting yourself up so that you know, if you look at the late Steve Jobs, like you knew what he was going to wear, right? It was like the black t-shirt, the jeans. He always wore the same thing. So really getting rid of low level decisions because you have a framework to follow. Like every single morning, you know what you're doing. So whether that's journaling or that's gratitude exercises or it's priming or it's taking a cold shower, there's a predictability and a consistency to a morning routine and an evening routine. So that creates a framework for you to play in. Right. Um, And what would you say to your patients or your clients that, you know, they want their freedom. Mm-hmm. And it, maybe it has something that has too much structure. I hear that a lot, actually. And people are like, oh, but I'm like a creative and I have, you know, and I am there too. I, I completely yeah. understand that. I think that when you create structure in and around your life, particularly the way that you start the day yeah. and the way that you end the day, I think that that creates more freedom yeah. for people. Because then you have blocks of time where you can say, okay, I have done my journaling. I've done my preparatory work in terms of getting into my neocortex, like driving uh, frontal lobe activation. And now I can be creative because that's where creativity lives. Creativity is not in fight or flight. Creativity is not in, you know, scarcity. It's Mm -hmm. when we do some of the ritualistic things like meditation or breath work or gratitude journaling, where we can actually get out of these lower areas in the brain. So in terms of framework and routines, what would you say are your non-negotiables? Like the one or two things in the morning and one or two things at night that it's a must. I have to do gratitude in the Mm. morning. So I use something called the five-minute journal. I'm a mom of three kids, so I have literally five minutes sometimes in the morning. (laughs) So writing out the three things that I'm grateful for, even though the day has just started, I'm grateful for, you know, whatever those three things are. And the other non-negotiable is something that I call priming. So not a full-on workout. I know a lot of people like to work out in the morning and that's awesome. I prefer to, I have a rebounder and I just get on that for five or 10 minutes. So I'm moving my body. Again, when we think about brain health, when you are moving, particularly your spine, it's very, very heavy, again, to the frontal lobe, which Mm. is where your creativity, your productivity, your focus, all that stuff lives. That's amazing. And what about nighttime? So many people want to know what the last hour of your day, for example, what was your non-negotiable there? Non-negotiable is an evening walk. And I know that that Mm. seems a bit you know, why? One of the things that we know about the body is our oxygenation levels come down in the evening. So normally everybody has, you know, oxygen running through our body at about a 98% run rate, 98, 99, 100%. But as the evening comes, that can lower by about four or 5%. So when we think about the effect of that overnight, then you are having less oxygen circulating 
And we can think about that, you know, cumulatively over time in terms of like a schema or lack of oxygen getting to certain structures like the brain. Right. So I love an evening walk. It doesn't have to be long. Like it doesn't have to be an hour. It can be like a nice 10 minute brisk walk, something that just elevates the heart rate. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I usually do that after dinner. And then the other thing that I do is all the lights are dark. So yeah. my bedroom is pitch black. It's a little cold. So I keep it, you know, 15 to 18 degrees Celsius, which is about 60, 65 degrees mm-hmm. Fahrenheit. So it's on the chilly side, but that also helps me rest because if it's too hot, I will always I wake up. So you're preparing for sleep mode. Yeah. Okay, that's amazing. So yeah. you have the fuel, you mm-hmm. have the framework. Uh, the third level is fears. So I talk a lot about this with clients and patients that I work with because a lot of times our barriers to success and achieving the things that we want to be achieving is our own, what I like to call the inner critic, you know, the inner gremlin that sort of lives inside of all of us. And that's the voice in our heads that tells us that we're not good enough, not smart enough, not capable enough, not pretty enough, not worthy. You know, in some way you're not enough. And I think that becoming more awake to that voice, and I always, what I will tell people is, like just becoming more awake to when the voice is talking. It's usually when you're about to do something that's new, right? Because you're, when we think about it from evolutionary times, like leaving the tribe or doing something different that the whole tribe was not doing, you know, you would not necessarily survive that. So we are really neurologically wired to stay within the tribe and kind of do the same thing. So when you're doing something new or you're kind of doing something that everyone's telling you, oh, gosh, like you shouldn't do that, that's usually when that inner critic will kind of pop up again. So becoming more awake to when he or she is talking. I like to tell people to really think about becoming the observer of that voice. So understanding when that voice is talking, but not necessarily the recipient. Not so you can hear, you can be the observer of the voice, not the recipient. I mean, that voice is there to kind of keep you in check, right? If you're about to jump off like a, you know, bungee jump or something, like right. there's going to be that inner critic. Like, are you sure this is really what you want to be doing? Because it's a survival mechanism. But that's designed also to keep you average, right? So if you are somebody who is really looking to level up their performance or their life or all aspects of, you know, whether it's love or career or family or what have you, sometimes just becoming conscious to that voice, but then also kind of doing it anyway. Right, because you have these external voices of people that love you and they care about you, but sometimes they hold us back Mm -hmm. because they don't want to lose us or they don't want you to get hurt. So maybe they have good intentions. Or you have this inner voice that you're talking about and quieting that inner voice sometimes Mm -hmm. could be a challenge. You know, I've noticed that if you just listen to everybody else's opinions and expectations, you literally could go broke buying other people's opinions of ourselves. Right. So one of the practices, do you have a mindful practice that helps you to be able to center yourself and be present and be self-aware? It's breath work. So it's really what I like to call vagus nerve breathing. So it's while you exhale twice as long as you inhale. So if you inhale for two seconds, you might exhale for four, inhale for three, exhale for six, in for four, out for eight. Mm -hmm. And that activates a nerve in our body called the vagus nerve. So that vagus nerve attaches from the brainstem and it literally attaches to every single organ in our body. It's It's crazy, amazing, very powerful tool for when you're feeling really scared, really overwhelmed, really anxious, really nervous about something. This is a really nice tool to kind of bring us down. So when you're working with people, you know, that's so simple and it has such a powerful effect. Mm -hmm. What would you say to somebody who just can't get themselves to do something simple like that? Like they can't motivate themselves or they know it, but common sense as they say, is not always common practice. Right. So what do they do? Do they have a trigger or add that into their routine? Make it part of their process? Do they schedule it? Well, I guess it really depends on where the resistance is coming from. For me, 
I'm the type of person that if I sort of set my sights on something, I tend to go after it. But for somebody who's not necessarily sure, sometimes it's not a switch, right? Sometimes we have to like dial things up and layer things up over time. So for somebody who's like not sure, there's too much information out there and they're not really sure, you know, how to integrate it, I would just say one small little thing. Breath work, we're not talking about hours. Like I'm not asking you to go to Bali and like, you know, what we're talking about is like two minutes. Even if you're at work, you know, your boss is coming down on you or you have, you know, trouble at home or whatever that looks like, there's always two minutes, right? And I love what you always say. You talk about, you know, if you always fight for your limitations, there's always an excuse, like, you get to keep them, right? I love the ability of just, like, one small little thing that's going to move the needle for someone. It tends to be breath work. And those little things done consistently add up to big things. They compound, yeah, totally, totally, yeah. So that would be, you know, becoming more awake to your fears. And then Mm -hmm. the fourth level of that pyramid, if we're kind of moving up, is really future. And that's thinking about what you want, right? Like, we all are going to the same place, right, at the end of the day. So thinking about what it is that you want to... You know, if there's a legacy or a message or something that you want to leave, you know, if you think about the last day of your life, like you're on your bed, you know, taking your couple of last breaths and you look back, I want you to think like, what do I want to have done? Did I make a difference? Did I do the things that, you know, my heart and my soul and my brain were pulling me to do? So I really talk a lot about future planning. So I like to, you know, have people sort of dream, you know, everything that you want to achieve in your life, like write it all down, like nothing, like unicorn sparkles and rainbows. It's like anything you want. And then kind of backtrack from there. So you have like a 25 year and then there's a 10 and then there's a five and a three and a one year goal. And then the magic really happens in like that one year. So the one year breaks out into the quarter, which breaks out into the 30 day, which breaks out into the week. So, you know, when we think about a 25 year goal, it's like, oh God, like that's so long and it's so like unattainable. But when you really break it down into small little chunks, again, talking about layering, you know, if you're able to every day wake up and say, okay, so I have the 25-year goal. And even though that's really far away from where I am right Mm -hmm. now, I know what I'm supposed to do today and this week and this month in order to move the needle a little bit closer to achieving that. That's astonishing. So the four levels again? So fuel, framework, fears, and future. I think anybody that's listening to this and really any human being on the planet, we all have the capacity to heal. Your body wants to be healthy. So wherever you are right now, if we're talking about nutrition, if it's like weight loss or you have to, you know, balance your hormones or if it's, you know, you feel really scattered, like you have the capacity to heal. Your body is absolutely brilliant. It's just really a matter of giving your brain and your body the tools to express that abundant, extraordinary health that we all have. So I guess my message or my one trick or tip would be to really just believe in the capacity that your body has to heal because you have it. You know, I've worked with men and women who've been like 300 plus pounds. I've met these individuals. I've seen pictures of them. Right. Everyone had told them, well, you're just like this. And like, so no matter what label you've been given, I still strongly believe that there's an extraordinary ability for your body to express the innate intelligence that it has. It's amazing. Yeah. What I would recommend everyone doing with this podcast is to take a screenshot of this episode, because we always tell people that in order to learn something faster, to teach it to other people, to take a screenshot of this, tag Dr. Stephanie, tag myself. And what I would ask you to do is put your big aha from this conversation. Like, what is your big takeaway from listening to this episode? So you could share that with your friends and your family. And you could also 
posts a burning question you might have also as well. Where do people find you on social media? They can find me on Instagram, Dr. Okay. Stephanie Estima. You can find me on Facebook with the same handle. Very nice. Yeah. And then more information about your practice? Yeah, so I'm in practice in Toronto, Canada, so you can visit thehealthloft.ca. Perfect. Thank you, Dr. Stephanie. Yeah, thank you. It's so great. Want to double your brain speed and memory power? If you'd like to learn rapidly and get ahead faster, I'd like to give you my brand new Quick Brain Accelerator program. You will discover exactly what I teach my clients to learn, read, and remember anything in half the time. There is no charge. It's my gift to you for being one of our subscribers. That's kwikbrain.com. Or simply text the word podcast to 916-822-7246 and we'll send you a direct link. That's 916-82-BRAIN. Growing up struggling with learning challenges from a childhood brain injury, it's been my life's mission to help you have your very best brain so you can win more every single day. Now, want more quick brain? Here are four ways to fast track your results and lock in what you just learned into your long-term memory. Remember fast, F-A-S-T. The F stands for Facebook. You're not alone on this journey. I invite you to join our free private online group. There you can connect with me, your fellow brain lovers, links to resources, and even submit your questions for me to answer in future episodes. Go to quickbrain.com. That's K-W-I-K brain.com. The A stands for apply. Act on what you learned today. Remember, knowledge is not power. It's potential power. It only becomes power when you use it. So use what you just learned. The S stands for subscribe. Don't miss the next episode and other free brain training. And finally, the T stands for teach. You want to learn faster now? The key is to lock it in right away by teaching it to someone else. When you teach something, you get to learn it twice. Here's a simple way to do that. Leave a review on iTunes. Leave a review with your biggest takeaway from this episode. You could also post and share this podcast on your social media. It helps us spread our mission of building better, brighter brains. And of course, tag us so our team can properly thank you. Hashtag quick brain, K-W-I-K brain. Mine is at Jim Quick, K-W-I-K, on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. So what does FAST stand for? Facebook, apply, subscribe, teach. I'll see you in our next episode of Quick Brain. Until then, remember, you are faster and smarter than you think.